Welcome back to another episode of Innovations and Integrations. My name is Whitney. I'm with Koozie Construction, and today we have a very special guest on, Mike Duran. Mike is a SCIF guru. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, Whitney. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you for having me. So, I'm the owner of VMS SCIF Consultants. I have worked with Koozie on a couple of different projects. I have a 17-year history of building SCIFs. I'm a subject matter expert in this area, so yeah, I've been around, done quite a bit. During my 17 years, I've probably certified, accredited, been a part of uh, accreditations, maybe about 2,000 facilities, so. Wow, so you really are a guru. <laughs> I think I know about as much as anybody else, that's for sure. <laughs> I believe you. Um, okay, so tell us exactly, what is a SCIF? So a SCIF is a Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility, and essentially what that is, you have all these wonderful three-letter uh, organizations out there, DIA, CIA, NSA, NRO, all these intelligence gathering organizations, FBI. And what they do is they gather this information in a multitude of different ways. Um, whether it's satellites, whether it's uh, going out and picking up signals, just different things that they do. When they gather this information, they bring it all into these, these uh, facilities. These facilities, they allow them to talk, discuss, store, and they come up with basically reports, analysis, and that's how our leadership try to figure out how to best run this world. Um, they take that information on any given topic and they try to make sure that they do it right. And, and a SCIF allows them to do that at the highest level. So it's a, a secure place for uh, discussions, research, technological advancements, all of that to take place securely before it's exposed. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And again, this is how our leaderships utilize that information to make sure that everything from satellites to how we do business in the world, everything is, is taken care of in a secure manner. So a lot of SCIFs are actually on bases, right? Correct. There's um, SCIFs utilized here, Fort Carson, Peterson, Shriver. Absolutely. But there's SCIFs all over Colorado Springs. And that's actually why we're having this conversation today is um, because of the prevalence of the DOD aerospace industries here, there's a ton of SCIFs um, being built and being utilized by DOD contractors like Lockheed, MITRE, yes. uh, Kratos. Absolutely. Yes. So um, how would someone go about getting the sponsorship and what's that process like? So the way it works out is once you have a contract organization, Lockheed, the government pushes out contracts to basically have certain missions accomplished that our contract community can do maybe faster or have maybe a, a access to a few different resources. So they push out these contracts. People or organizations like MITRE, Lockheed, like you've discussed, they bid on them. Mm -hmm. When they bid on these contracts, as soon as they are awarded that particular contract, they fill out a basically what they call a DD-254. And that DD-254 is an agreement between Lockheed and whatever government agency that they're going to work for. And in that, it identifies, yes, we're going to do this mission. And oh, by the way, we also need a SCIF or we need some kind of SCI facility, something else. That's really how Lockheed goes about securing the requirement for a SCIF. Then Lockheed has the and again, we're using Lockheed as the example. Mm -hmm. Then they reach out and they start looking at, okay, we either need to build or renovate a facility. Well, when they need to build or renovate a facility, that's when they get a hold of their uh, MAGCOM SSO or their three-letter SSO, their special security office, to start coming up with the process, the design, um, 
the initial, what they call a concept request to make sure that we get it onto that three letters uh, radar. From there, they reach out to you guys as the construction company. Mm -hmm. Once we've identified what their requirements are, well then it comes time to the part where they're gonna build it. So when you look at a skiff process timeline, especially for contract facilities, once they're awarded it, they're going to move directly into determining what kind of facility they need, whether it's a new build or a renovation. And then from there, they're gonna reach out to you, reach out to me as a SCIF consultant, reach out to the government agency, SSO, and they're, we're all gonna to come together and figure out how to best build this facility for them. And that's where you get come into play as a consultant for uh, contractors like Kuzi and, and others because you're such a subject matter expert that you can help expedite this process and Absolutely. simplify it. Uh, so tell us how, like, where do you come into the process of a, yeah. a build? So once an organization's identified that they need a skiff, they'll reach out to someone like myself, a consultant, and we will go in and we will identify what it is that they need in order to make their facility into a skiff. We try to blend what they need and what they want together, but oftentimes we want to make sure that if I give you exactly what you need, then the want stuff we can discuss. Because if you build a skiff with what you need, that's what's going to get you accredited. Hopefully that's going to be with a, a cost conscientious approach to it to make sure that you meet the intent, but not necessarily build the craziest skiff in the world, just because if you throw everything at it, it'll probably get accredited, but at what cost? Exactly. So we want to make sure, my, my whole purpose is to make sure that I get in there and give them the the outline, this is this is what they're going to need. And I take a look at a multitude of different things for them. I look at, do they want to be open storage, closed storage, continuous ops. Once I figure out that, then I know, all right, what's their security and depth? What is their inspectable space? What kind of alarms they need? What kind of doors they need? For me, that's how I approach it. And I can pretty much determine based off of my years of experience, how to build a person a skiff that's going to meet the intent of the regulations, get them accredited at the best cost possible. That's what I try to do for them. And that's, that's where I come in at. And that's why we really like you um, as a consultant for us because we're on time, on budget, and you can't do that if you're overbuilding. Absolutely. So that's really where I want to make sure that my part in this stays consistent, and that is always trying to build a very conscientious skiff that's you know not going to break the bank for anybody right same us too um so i hear tempest thrown out a lot and it's in all caps and it seems very serious <laughs> um it it implies different levels of security the highest simplest level or the lowest yes, or what have you yes. what what would distinguish or differentiate one company from receiving different Tempest levels? Explain that. No, that's a perfect question. Okay. Tempest itself really goes towards emanations security. So all computers, all monitors, systems, cable lines that are copper, they emanate uh, information. So what you want to do is you want to take a look at your Tempest posture. And what ends up happening is we look at what you call inspectable space. Your inspectable space goes out to about 100 meters. Okay, now it could go out much further, but what most three letters and what the DIA, or I'm sorry, what the um, ICD community are looking at, at about 100 meters, they have determined that if you meet that 100 meter mark, you're gonna be basically given a level three Tempest rating. 
a level three tempest rating is going to identify something in the lines of maybe red-black separation. And red and black is just the different classifications of what your lines are. So if you are running Cat 6 co uh, copper shielded lines, if we call it red, they're classified. If we mm. call it black, they're unclassified. So between those types of lines, if you have a level three, they're gonna require you to separate those out so much. But that's gonna be about your only Tempest requirement. Your certified technical Tempest authority, your CTTA, they're gonna look at your entire project and they're gonna basically look at a 360 approach to make sure that yes, you have enough inspectable space, yes, we know how much uh, information you're processing, what mitigations are already there. They're gonna look at everything and they're gonna tell you what it is that you're gonna be required in order to get that Tempest accreditation, which is th one of three accreditations that you need for your facility before you can start storing, discussing, and processing. So for a level three, you have a, like I said, you have that 100 meters. Anything from zero to 20 meters is gonna be basically a level one. And that means somebody basically can get that close to your facility and you do not have the legal authority to remove them. Mm. In that regard, DIA, CTA, or one of your CTAs are gonna look at it and say, we're gonna impose all of the mitigations on you, all the requirements. We're gonna do RF shielding, we're gonna do power filters, phone filters, uh, wave okay. guides. There's a list of probably seven or eight things that they're going to make you do, which is gonna have an impact on your construction to some degree. They're gonna require that in order for you to get your Tempest accreditation. So again, what I do as your consultant or as a consultant, I look at, well, my experience tells me if we don't have the inspectable space, I kind of start forecasting what DIA or what the other three letters are going to require. And I start helping you build that package. So I make sure my customers understand, hey, we're at less than 100 meters, we're at less than 60 meters. You can pretty much ensure, start putting RF shielding into your floors. Your right. Floors. You That's kind of what based I Based on the location. Exactly. That's interesting from our perspective, um, at least. We do a lot of skiffs. Koozie Construction does a lot of skiffs um, just within the community, not on the base. And I'm sure those your, your, that Tempest would differentiate a lot Absolutely. between an office building here that's been converted to a skiff versus something on a base. And so that makes me think that we're dealing with like level ones often. When, it, when we're converting, doing a tenant improvement, a TI, when we're converting an existing office building to a SCIF, you, you don't have that separation. So you're immediately at a level one, therefore you have to mitigate with RF shielding, waveguides, all of that that you just mentioned. Absolutely. And that's really the case, especially when you start building in the city, in the community, off of these military installations, your inspectable space shrinks. We do have some contractor facilities out there that do have their own compound. Now, just because we, again, we talk about building out in the city, if a, if a contractor facility has its own compound and they actually can control that space, they're gonna be given the exact same requirements as say somebody on base. Mm -hmm. It's truly those one-offs, it's your smaller, your, your smaller contractors that don't have a compound to work off of. They basically rent a space somewhere downtown they need a skiff in order to satisfy the DD254 requirements. We need to go in there and make sure that we build it to meet both the security and depth, meet the inspectable space, and make sure that they get accredited. 
So. That makes sense. And there's a lot of those, I mean, they just keep coming up. I think there's Absolutely. about 500 different DOD contractors here in Colorado Springs alone. Um, and they're not, the majority of those are not the household names that we'd already mentioned. They're the smaller right. ones that don't necessarily have the capital to go ground up a, an entire facility or have Absolutely. their own complex. Um, so yeah. it's very common to have to jump through all those other hoops to qualify their, their SCIFs. You're, you're absolutely right. And kind of to touch on that, these organizations also don't usually go out and, and have a SCIF consultant on staff. Right. They may have an SSR who has worked inside a special security rep for an SSR. They may have one of those that may have been experienced, may have worked in a SCIF, might have built one somewhere down the road, maybe to a different uh, standard. What we want to try to make sure is when we come in, we want to make sure we provide that that level of experience to make sure that the person who says they built a skiff before doesn't get them in trouble by trying to overbuild a skiff. Right. We want to, again, try to make sure that we just do it the right way so that eventually, if they ever get out of the business with this particular three-letter and they want to go to, let's say, from DIA to NRO, mm -hmm. well, we want to make sure that we build a skiff that is easily transferable because that's what the ICD was really meant to. It was meant so that we could have a transfer of COG, have um, just to make sure that we could work, you know, so both facilities could pick up that SCI mission without any real delay and continue operating. That, that's really what we want to make sure we do for people. Okay, so ICD, just to clarify, ICD 705 is the existing one that's being worked off right yes. now. That's Intelligence Community Directive. Directive. Yes. And that is the specs essentially from all areas, infrastructure, security, everything. Absolutely. That qualifies a SCIF. For, for the most part. For so the most part. When you start okay. talking about these ICDs, so you have the ICD 705. And the ICD 705 is a, it's a guideline. It, there's, okay. a, there's, a, there's several ICD-705 documents out there, and what we really work off of is what they call the technical specifications for SCIF construction. Mm -hmm. That's the actual, our Bible, okay? That, that's the IC community's Bible on how to build a SCIF. What is it called? It's called the ICD-705 Technical Specifications okay. for SCIF construction. Is it in like a section of the ICD-705, well, so or is it a separate it's thing? It's a separate guide. Oh, it's itself. a separate yeah, so you have your ICD-705s, you have some documents, you have some identifications that tell us what we need to do, and then the okay. the technical specifications, the manual itself, is, is something derivative from all that. Got it. Is and it privy only to No, we No, it's, it's, it's unclassified. It? You can read, <laughs> can read it, it, absolutely. Okay. It's, it's out there. You can actually Google it and okay. pick up the uh, most current version. I think it's on version 1.5.1. They're going to be coming out with a 1.6 soon. And um, in each one of these versions, they do a few little up, upgrades, a few little updates right. to make sure that, you know, things that weren't necessarily a consideration five years ago or six years right. ago, well, they may be a consideration now, especially as technology continues to slam its way forward. Well, we, we want to make sure that we build SCIFs that can that keep up with that uh, thread out there. Right. They have to abide by those. Yes. But... They don't necessarily, ideally they overlap and there's reciprocity, but yes. that's not always the case. That's correct. So between, between all these three letters, we are all supposed to build skiffs 
that we can do reciprocity from one three-letter to the next three-letter so that SCI missions and so that people don't have to spend a ton more money uh, can continue to operate. Because we all know that a contractor today might have four different contracts. They shift from NRO, DIA, CIA, NSA, whatever. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that while we're in that transfer mode, well, the next organization can pick them up and start running seamlessly was the idea. Every agency, though, has the ability to take the ICDs and interpret them to what they believe the standards are. So one of the misconceptions is that the ICDs are some kind of fantastic set of rules and regulations that we all have to strictly adhere to. The ICD tech specs are more of a guideline. In other words, there's way too many ways to build a skiff. There's, right. there's, there's more ways than there are paper to put Just in Just like this most thing. other construction, there's Absolutely. a lot of ways to do it. So what they look at is, for example, NRO, and again, just as an example, they could sit there and say, we are okay if we accept a different type of door. We're okay if we want to go with this route. Maybe this type of make, maybe not a 16 gauge uh, metal door. Maybe we're okay if we go with a lesser gauge. They have that right. They can do that. And if their uh, approving authority is okay with that, fantastic. When we do the transfer over to another three letter like DIA, well, they could take a look at that exact same door and say, absolutely not. Right. And they are going to require that customer to change that door out to meet their requirements. So it's not always a completely seamless transfer cog reciprocity type deal. We will work, most three letters will work with uh, what, what's given to them mm -hmm. and they're gonna work with the organization and the customer, but they are ultimately gonna require them to upgrade and update their facility if they don't like a standard that one of our IC community partners have changed. Right, That that's what I find uh, interesting about SCIFs and for for duty contractors specifically is they come and they build a skiff and then they their contract's over and they leave and there's someone else a DOD contractor interested in that space and they hear that's a skiff I'm in you know yeah. and that's not that's not gonna fly um, it, it also right. each individual skiff has to be accredited separately just because that one was accredited through that contractor Absolutely. doesn't mean that it's a grandfathered in the accreditation you have absolutely. to go through the whole process again correct that is absolutely correct so we have facilities out there that have been built to they've been around long enough they may have been built to a different standard before the icds came into place they had the dsid 69 um, and before that i think it was like the m21 or something like that if we come across a facility that was a DSID 6.9 and it's, they want to transfer that over now, well, the gaining community doesn't necessarily have to leave it at the 6.9. They can require them to upgrade it to the ICD 705. Mm -hmm. This idea of grandfathering sounds great. And, and, it, and in some cases, it may be practical. But it's truly up to the approving authority for the gaining organization to determine whether or not they want that facility to be upgraded. And if they do, they will not gain it will not give it its reaccreditation until those changes are made okay. so absolutely correct on that and you can't actually work or that you can't utilize the skiff until it's accredited or absolutely. can you so until it's accredited no you can't no no when we do a transfer of cog the accreditation is maintained up until the time the AO determines there's some things that need to be changed in okay it. so it may have a tiny shelf life 
once the gaining AO determines, hey, we need these additional uh, construction put into place, maybe some of these additional uh, tempest mitigations put into place, if they determine that, they're going to put that down onto the contractor or to the organization and say, you need to upgrade. It's up to the organization then to either stop their mission and upgrade or ask for an extension on a period of time so that they can work it into their budget, work it into their mission. And it's all going to be approved by that three letter. Right. If they're okay with giving them that extension, great. If not, they'll make sure to give them that direction. Do you I, do you work primarily with DIA or that, that's kind of the more... I have worked with just about every three letter there is out there um, on various projects. Yeah. And every one of them has their slightly own versions of ways to do things. Mm -hmm. So even though the ICD 705 exists, DIA has their own derivative off that, the DODMs, and they also have a manual that kind of further explains how they want to see skiff construction. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. In the ICD 705, it talks about your construction workers have to be vetted. They right. basically leave it at that. That's right. They tell you to have them vetted. But then when you look in the DODM, the DODM goes a little bit further to sit there and explain, well, yes, but by vetted, they want to make sure that they have a police background check. Right. They want to make sure that they don't have any felonies. Yes. They want to make sure they have a criteria. Well, if you left it at just the ICD 705, somebody would sit there and think, well, all they're really asking for is, are they a U.S. citizen? Are they um, clear to work within the United States? And if so, well, then they can be a part of our construction plan. The DODM would sit there and suggest, no, it's not sufficient. you need those two things, but you also need to make yeah. sure that if you have a felony somewhere on your uh, criminal record, well then you cannot be a part of our skiff construction process. So that's that's kind of again one example of how each each of these organizations operate and, and build skiffs to for their department for their division. See, this is why I appreciate you being consulting for us and other companies because there's so many complexities, and it seems like you know all of the three letters. Um, and some issues that we could run into and also the aspect of not overbuilding and not charging customers Absolutely. overly because from a construction standpoint that's not going to fly it might get us the contract <laughs> right. at the beginning but they're not going to come back and we need them to we need great relationships for a long term and so working with someone like you who is such a subject matter expert who knows how to build it correctly um, how to inspect it along the way, help us make sure we build it correctly. Um, and that the different, I guess, three-letter agencies that could be involved and their uh, spe specific proclivities on what they expect, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So that's why we, we really enjoy you um, as being able to speak to you. What do you think about this? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it, in my world, as long as I'm building facilities the right way, well, then I'm happy to help out anybody. I, I will help out anybody who asks me. I am there to answer questions. I mean, that's this is just what I do. So I want to always make sure, especially like with Koozie, um, other companies, if I have an opportunity to consult with you on projects and I feel like you're at least working with me to meet the intent on what I'm trying to achieve, right. well, then that particular relationship is phenomenal because then we're all working towards the same the goal. The same goal, yeah. I've had other construction companies that I've, that I've worked with. 
they want to fight me on every decision because they think they've built a skiff or two somewhere in their past. And they think they know better. They think they know more. And I'm not suggesting that I know everything. What I'm suggesting is I know enough to make sure that I can do it the right way. Right. I'm also positive that when people start throwing additional construction at a project, well, I also know when that's going to be more of a profit gain derivative. And that's right. not what I'm here for. I, I'm not here for the profit gain. I'm here for the security of our, of our right. information, our assets. So truly, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I love working with Koozie. I love working uh, you know, with Mr. Dave Rose and, and, and everybody. Our process is really just to make sure that we do it the right way. And it seems that we have, as far as I understand it, that we yeah. have gotten our skiffs accredited first time every time. And there's not a lot of construction companies that can say that. And that Absolutely. is in large part due to you acting as a consultant for us. On the projects that I've been fortunate enough to consult with you, again, you know, as working as the owner for BMS Skiff Consulting, I've had an opportunity to work for you guys on a couple of projects. Uh, they have been phenomenal. Uh, zero issues. Uh, it's been really just a hand-in-hand -hand kind of ordeal that, hey, we, we've worked so well with you guys and truly look forward to continue to working with you guys um, on projects that, you know, I mean, there are so many that are coming our way. It seems like oh gosh, it seems like the skiff industry has just it's blown up. Crazy. Everybody yes, wants a skiff. Crazy. Everybody needs it. So I, I, I'm delighted that, like I said, we have this relationship. And yes, the facilities that we have built have all managed to work in the direction that I've I kind of set out for myself, which is to build a, a smart, conscientious, cost-effective facility for our customers. That fits right with Koozie's mission with on time on budget. So that's it. Just feels like you're part of our team, and I know that you work with lots. But it's so nice to be able to call someone Absolutely. who knows so much about this because we're we're not trying to specialize in the details of the ISB <laughs> seven hundred five. But it's great to have someone who who knows that. So well, the pleasures on this side of the table as well. Again, it's also nice to work with a construction company that are professionals and also are willing to work and, and work situations where maybe the construction side of it and what I need to do, there, there may be a, a little bit of an at odds. Right. Um, so working with each other and making sure that we come up with a solution, that is huge for us. Yeah, same. It smooth also for the client, right? Absolutely. They are, the ones, <laughs> they are the ones that are gonna benefit the most from, from a good yes. working relationship. Well, I think we're going to just continue to see more and more skiffs. I think we're going to see skiffs uh, evolve a little bit too. Um, skiffs are kind of like working in a black box. They're not fun. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't get a lot of natural light because of... Tell us about that actually, the, so, the requirements of the light or the regulations on that. No, so you know, and, and there's some misconceptions with that too, right? Okay. People believe that you can't have windows in a mm -hmm. skiff. And that's simply not true. We can put windows in a facility. Um, there's a, a, an entire uh, chapter on it in the ICD 705 tech specs. We can do it, but again, you have to mitigate to it, right? So okay. we got to talk about having sealed, single pane, double pane windows to make sure that we meet sound attenuation. We have to make sure that we have opaque blinds, something that would keep somebody from being able to have a straight line of vision into our facility. Right. Um, you know, those are kinds of 
those are some of the things that when we start building a facility, a skiff, renovating a building, those are certain options that, yeah, we can get you accredited and we can get you accredited with a window. We may have to put RF shielding on it. We will have to put some form of an alarm on it. But that doesn't mean you can't have it. It just means we have to do a little bit more right. to make sure that it works within the security plan of your facility. So we can definitely do that. The biggest part that most people just need to grasp really is skiffs are meant to be inconvenient. They're not meant to be a I regular I like how office. you keep saying that because <laughs> that does help me from an architecture standpoint. We're not trying to make these convenient. That's the whole point. They're, they're not supposed that to is correct. be easily accessed in any way. <laughs> um, right. So that that actually makes me feel better when you keep reiterating that because now Absolutely. I'm actually getting it. Inconvenience is a good well, thing. It, it is. Yeah. We, we, when you look at a typical office, you know, we all get a little complacent. You know, you come in, you open your door, you get to your computer, you sit down, you turn on your lights, and you get you start operating. Discussions flow, things different happen, different things happen. But inside of a skiff, well, again, like we talked about before, you're trying to protect assets right. from both an external and an internal threat. Well, how you operate a skiff is every bit as important as how you build it. Sure, we build them to prevent that external threat from stealing our secrets of the world or stealing our information. But also how we build it and how we manage it helps us control the internal threat as well. People in these downtown facilities that you were talking about, we do RF shielding. Mm -hmm. RF shielding not only prevents emanations from going out, it prevents people from trying to right. infiltrate RF signals from coming in, which means you can't take your cell phone into a skiff and expect to get a signal. Yes. Not allowed to do that anyway, but those are some of the things that help uh, prevent against data loss for us. So yes, we want inconvenience. People ask me all the time, you know, we try to call you on your cell phone. Well, good, good luck. I'll get to it once I walk out of the facility because these are part of those requirements why we don't want them in. It is an inconvenient location. So It is. This is the first place that I've lived where um, I have to wait until like after 3 o'clock to contact certain people because yes. they work in a skiff and they don't even get the messages. Um, so it's interesting right. uh, not having access to all of that and, and the, that aspect of the inconvenience right. is really interesting. Well. Um, I've really enjoyed talking. You've actually taught me a lot. Not actually, I'm not surprised, but um, <laughs> I keep trying to learn more and more about this. So this was really good for me, and I hope oh. others can find it really informative. Um, again, Mike Duran, uh, thank you so much for coming and being a part of this. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, just please keep answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Keep leaving your messages and. Truly, again, I look forward to working for you and working for our customers out there. And Anything else I can do to help out, just let me know. All right. Thanks Thank so much. You.